BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. iHeartRadio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up ritual scrub stars Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's version of the iHeart Podcast Speaker Series. For anybody who's sort of joined us in the past, you'll know we started it actually at the top of quarantine when we were all sort of moving into a weird new world. And we wanted to stay connected with each other and keep talking to each other about what drives us as creators and specifically what interests us all in this exploding medium podcasting. We have kept doing these because these proved to be some of the coolest, most interesting conversations that I have had in my life and easily my favorite half an hour of the week. Podcasting has also continued to explode. We have a medium now that is the newest mass reach medium in the United States. We are in a golden age of audio, of the human conversation, if you will. And podcasting is now reaching almost 90 million Americans a week. Bigger 
than say Netflix subscribers in the United States. You have this medium that is just exploding. All of that explosion, all of that new audience that's jumping into the medium is thanks to folks like my guest today. First of all, Liv, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. So I'll do a bit of a background bio on you. And then I want to get into questions because I am deeply fascinated in this show that you're launching and also sort of why you chose podcasting to do it. Liv Albert has a degree in classical civilizations and English literature from Concordia University in Montreal. You're a creator, a storyteller, you're a host, you're a producer of the popular Greek and Roman mythology podcast. Let's talk about myths baby, where you bring your modern perspective, your education and classical civilization all together to sort of explore Greek myths. But you do it sort of from a casual, humorous perspective, which I think helps break down walls into a topic that can be hard. Let me start here. Why mythology? When did you know you were super into Greek and Roman myths? And what about it caught a hold of you? And I'll just give my own personal experience of this. I have four kids lots of kids. And as much as I teach them, read to them, get them excited about learning and world building and imagination, there's nothing quite like Greek mythology for a child. Like I've seen this across every one of my four kids that once they tap into this world, their heads explode in a way that only things like Star Wars or Harry Potter make their heads explode. And so back to my question to you, where did this start for you and why did it become your day job? Well, it started when I was a kid, uh, surprisingly. I mean, it was really similar for me. I, I'm sure I discovered it in elementary school or something and just decided it was the most fascinating thing in the world. And then that just kind of stuck. I actually, I did my degree with the intention of using my English major and the classics was just going to be for fun because I just wanted to learn more about ancient Greece and its mythologies. And then it just sort of ended up years later working out that I could start a podcast about it and turn that into a career. So yeah, I mean, it, it just really like, it is fascinating. It's silly. It's weird. It's dramatic. Like it, Greek mythology just has everything. And so, yeah, it continues. Like I've been doing this almost six years now and it continues to just be so thrilling. I can't let it go. What do you think it is about Greek mythology that grabs a hold of us and sort of shakes us and is some of the most captivated audiences I've ever seen or kids or adults alike when they're sort of hearing the stories of the Greek and Roman gods? What is it? Is it just a basic sort of, I don't know, why are there hundreds of millions of Star Wars fans? What do you think it is? I mean, it's the storytelling in general. Like, you know, it's everything that we like about fantasy and, and storytelling and just, you know, that sort of human nature of wanting to hear these different types of stories. But the thing about Greek myth is that it really does have like everything. You know, it, it has this tragedy, it has drama, it has really heavy comedy and just all the different elements that I think we all want from like storytelling and entertainment all around, but it's all squished into this ancient world that's sort of fascinating in itself. I mean, for me, the, the interesting thing is that it's been going on so long and, and the way that the stories were originally told means that we have, you know, like eight different versions of the same story or eight different versions of one character because when a, an ancient people is telling a story or different stories for like a thousand years things change and so then now we get access to like a thousand years worth of storytelling and everything that happens within that time period and so it's endlessly fascinating not to put you on the spot but is there a favorite 
Greek God of yours and why? Like, and, and is that something that's changed over the years and why? Yeah, it definitely changes. I mean, I, I like, I have my kind of go-to if I'm asked and the answer is Aphrodite. She's fascinating, Greek goddess of love. She's been my favorite since I was a kid because she has like this kind of interesting freedom that a lot of the other goddesses don't have. She kind of gets to do what she wants. She really famously was married to one god, but didn't really like him that much. So she just like hung around with whatever other gods she did like at whatever time that she might've liked them. <laughs> she has like the, a freedom that the others don't, you know, depending on where the question comes to me or what the context is, I have like countless different answers I can come up with. <laughs> And why do you think Aphrodite is set up like that by the Greeks to have that sort of fluidity, that unpredictability? Was it something they were wanting to message to Greeks about the nature of love? Like not to be cheesy about it, but was it intentional or was it sort of like, I don't know, it's a good story? I mean, I think it's a little of everything. Like she's interesting because she kind of has these origins in in these Eastern goddesses of civilizations that came before Greece. She has kind of equivalencies with this Phoenician goddess named Astarte and some Mesopotamian goddesses in Nana and Ish. She started out in those Eastern cultures and then she sort of was brought into Greece where they kind of adapted her for their needs. And so I think she has a lot of like leftover aspects that come from cultures that had really different priorities and really different goals and feelings than the Greeks. And then the Greeks kind of taking her and making her their own. There's lots of different ways you can interpret it. There's also a lot of history about kind of her birth story and who she comes from. And yeah, I mean, it's sort of an endless answer that I won't spend, you know, an hour talking about, but she has like all these different really interesting aspects that kind of all contribute to why she is sort of different than a lot of the other goddesses. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. 
LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Dumb question, admittedly. How real were the Greek gods to the Greeks? Like, was I know we hear stories like, ah, Mount Olympus, they're all hanging out up there at the top of the mountain. But like, if you're walking around Greece at the time, are you like, no, this is like really real? Like, there really are folks at the top of that thing who are making the calls? Or was it like, no, they all understood it was mythology. This was all allegory. That's a great question because the answer is interesting in that, like, it's kind of a little bit of everything. And it totally depends on the time period. The thing that a lot of people who just think of Greek mythology is this fun and entertaining thing don't really keep in mind if you don't have a background in it there's no reason for you to think of it this way but like the Greeks were telling these stories over almost a thousand years. I like to use a reference point of like compare Shakespeare's work to movies that you see today and like the difference. That's only like a small portion of the time period that we're talking about when it comes to ancient Greece. You know, if we're talking about the Bronze Age, we have like a little bit less knowledge. That's the oldest time period where we have written history, but the languages and what they wrote down isn't that helpful to us, but they had the gods. And you get to like the early Iron Age and the archaic period, they're a little bit later. They're thinking more seriously about the gods in relation to the world around them. I think probably they weren't concerned that Zeus was going to come down and like smite them for any personal reason. But they're thinking more about the world. You know, the the sun is a god, the moon is a god, the dawn, the evening, all of these are gods. So it's more about kind of how they contribute to the world around them. So I think they're sort of existing as like a kind of a real thing in their own kind of way. When it comes to like something like Homer, like the Iliad and the Odyssey, for a long period, I think that they really did consider that to be their own history. Whether they would have like seriously sat down and said like, yes, the gods were actively involved, you know, kind of different. And then you get a couple hundred years later and like the playwrights, you get the famous plays like Oedipus and things like that. And there I think that they've sort of evolved and they're not thinking quite as realistically, but they're still thinking about them as like deities worthy of worship. And, you know, it can hurt or help you if you do worship them in the correct ways. And, you know, more similarly to what we think of as religion. And then things just keep kind of changing, you know, and and like later they're controlled by the Romans and there's these sort of different aspects as well. I mean, there's just so much history involved. It's a fascinating question and a complicated answer, but the answer is kind of mostly both. They were real and they were not real and they were just kind of everything. That is absolutely fascinating. You're right. And it's like over the course of those thousand years, did certain gods 
rise and fall in terms of popularity and then get totally redefined too in terms of what they were about? Like, is that also happening across that thousand years? Absolutely. In really fascinating ways too. Like the sun and the moon are really good examples. Like in the archaic period where we get the earliest written sources that survive today, like Helios is the sun god. He is the physical sun. He brings a chariot across the sky all day and that's the sun crossing, you know, the sky. And then Selene is the moon and she does the same thing at night. And then a few hundred years later, we get kind of like more of a melding with these more major gods, Apollo and Artemis, who are twins, and they represent a lot of things. But as time goes on, they each come to represent the sun and the moon more. And by the time we're into the Roman period, Apollo is a sun god, amongst other things, and Artemis is a moon goddess. And so like it really does kind of change. And a lot of it, I think, comes down to there are so many gods at the beginning because that's how they can best understand the world around them. And as time moves on and these people evolve, they understand the world around them more and more and they have less need for like really specific deities and they kind of get like amalgamated into the more important Olympians who then just kind of represent general concepts versus the literal sun or the literal moon. And then things change even more when you're looking at Rome, but... It, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating because through their mythology, you can watch as these people cover a thousand years of human growth. Yeah, it's really interesting. And do you see echoes that are clear and also amazing in terms of Greek mythology becoming Roman mythology, becoming Roman Catholicism? Like, is it a whole language that you're seeing and decoding that a lot of folks aren't just privy to? I don't know enough about Catholicism. I kind of like stay right out of all the forms of modern religion. You know, it's safer and it's not my interest. But uh, when it comes to <laughs> Roman mythology, Roman mythology is really fascinating because I think a lot of people who dive into it have this idea. And I, I'm like guilty of this in my early episodes of the show before I personally learned as much as I know now. But like the idea that that like Rome kind of quote unquote stole their gods from the Greeks is really prominent because they kind of all have the same equivalent gods like Artemis in, you know, in, in Greece is, is Artemis in Rome she's Diana, but ultimately it's the same goddess. Zeus is Jupiter. All the planets are, are the Roman names for Greek gods, all these different things. But while it seems like they kind of quote unquote copied, it really wasn't the case. Like they had their own whole mythologies and whole religion just because Rome was close to Greece. They were influenced by Greece. They had a lot of contact with the Greeks amongst all the other, you know, ancient people of the Mediterranean. It just ends up that they kind of have these equivalent gods. The idea of them kind of stealing them gets worse because the most popular and common book of Roman, quote unquote, Roman mythology is Ovid's Metamorphoses, where essentially he's a Roman guy who sat down to mostly rewrite Greek myths with Roman names. His purpose was to talk more about Greek myths, but people then get this idea that like he's just saying these Roman myths, but really they're Greeks with the names changed. But that's not really what it actually was. It's just the Romans were a bit less concerned with their mythology as storytelling. And because they're coming like a couple hundred years later, and then by the time most of their writing is coming in, it's even later than that. So it's just sort of like different priorities and things. But you can really kind of watch it all happen because Rome existed at the same time as a lot of Greece. But when it comes to like the most famous parts of Rome, we're talking like after the Greeks had sort of been conquered by Rome and then become kind of a part of them. So total non sequitur. My oldest kid fell in love with Percy Jackson several years ago and still loves it today. Not so much about Percy Jackson, but just generally when you see Greek mythology get deployed like that in pop culture, is it a and I don't mean to pin you down is it like awesome we're talking about greek mythology moment or is it like roll your eyes oh my god here we go they're gonna misuse this that and the other like where do you stand on that stuff i love all of it i mean i think the more mythology 
out there, the better. You know, I, I think there are people who go to novels of Greek myth reception and they think that it's all accurately portraying Greek myth. And like that becomes a little bit more tricky because then you move into the actual ancient sources and you're like, well, this is all incredibly different. But I mean, my career relies a lot on there being retellings of Greek myth. It's a huge year for them. There's like 10 or 15 novels coming out this year. You know, the next two months of my show have three or four different episodes where I'm interviewing novelists about their new books of mythology. So selfishly, it's great. It's really helping me. But also, I just think it's great. You know, everyone's got their own way of telling a story. There's a new one coming out where it's the story of Medea, but it's being told through the eyes of colonialism in India during the East India Trading Company. And so you can really do whatever. And it just opens up these new ways of telling these stories where it's a myth, but it's not. And it's, you know, there's just there's endless. So I'm I'm very on board with all of them. Awesome. Let me switch gears and talk about one of our favorite things, podcasting. How did you come to podcasting? How did it hit your radar? Were you a super fan listener for years? Is it a new thing? What's the story there? Well, I've been podcasting for six years in July. So it's definitely longstanding. And before that, I was listening for a while for sure. So I was definitely, I wouldn't say early adopter, but I was on the earlier side with, you know, before the boom that we have now. But for me, it happened where I like I changed careers and I moved across the country and ended up just listening to a lot of podcasts because they're great for when you, you know, are still trying to make friends in a city or things like that. Right. Podcasts. So many people come to them because they end up feeling like your friends. It's fun. It's a unique medium in that way. And so that's what I was doing for a long time and then loved them enough that when I decided I needed a hobby, I just figured I would start one about the thing that I love, which is Greek mythology. And it it went very well for me. So That's pretty early. Like six years ago to be podcasting definitely means you were way ahead of the boom. Were you feeling like you were sort of like alone in a medium that not a lot of people were listening to yet, but had really high super fandom and engagement? Or why were you so prescient? What made you see, or did you see like, this medium is going to explode. I'm going to get ahead of it. Where was your head on that? I really didn't think it through. Like it, it's... <laughs> I mean, I just love listening to them and it was fun. And I was listening to a lot of like not fully indie shows, but still the types of shows where it was like clearly just these people who decided to make a thing because they wanted to talk about it. So I was listening to a lot of that for a while. And uh, yeah, and I mean, for me, it was just sort of a thing to do to pass the time. I didn't really expect many people were going to listen. And, you know, so many different things happened where I really did come in at the exact right time to not only hit a like a boom in podcasting, but also Greek mythology like also blew up at the same time as podcasting was blowing up and it did wonders for me and it went it went very well but it was very much me just deciding I wanted to talk into a microphone about a thing I didn't really have many thoughts about you know how best to do it or what was going to get me successful or turn it into a career that all kind of happened later I think most podcasters would probably attest to the same thing of like yeah this was all completely thought out none of it was thought out <laughs> no what's great is that you can just start one and it's like one of the only mediums other than like YouTube where anyone can do it. And that's what's so lovely about it. What surprised you about the medium? Like anything in particular that you were like, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I didn't really see it coming how big it was going to get. For me, I'm really, I'm sort of endlessly entertained and really appreciative of the fact that like it is still a medium where you can be pretty unaware of tech. <laughs> like for all that I've been doing this for six years and I have a great show and it's really popular and you know, I'm with iHeartMedia now, but like I still don't have a great grasp on how to do things the sort of technical way. I Googled everything I know and it just keeps working. <laughs> it, like I love that. That's great. You know, <laughs> like, it's it. nice that it can be that. Yeah. Do it yourself, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, for me, I'm much more interested in your take on this. But for me, what surprised me, I guess, is the fact that it has become a medium for, for my money, the smartest, most innovative storytellers in the world. And that ranges from you to Shonda Rhimes to Will Ferrell to Malcolm Gladwell. It's like, it's interesting to me that time and time again, the best, I think, storytellers talking about sometimes the hardest, most intellectual, complicated stuff are choosing a medium. It makes sense to me. It's long form. People are engaged when they listen. But that I think has more than anything else driven its boom, which has been awesome to watch. I cannot thank you enough. Hopefully this has been fun for you too, but like, I really do appreciate it, Liv, you being a part of the iHeart Podcast Network. You have an amazing show. I always deeply connect with and respect folks who've been doing this for a while. And, you know, to have a podcast now going on six years is the equivalent of like a hundred years in other mediums. But I really appreciate you hanging out with us today. Thank you. It was really nice to be here and I'm thrilled to be part of iHeart now. So thanks for having me. Everybody check out immediately a podcast <laughs> called Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. It's with Liv Albert, my guest today. It is an amazing show about amazing stories, some of the stories that speak to the deepest parts of our humanity. So I really do appreciate you being a part of it, Liv. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today. We will see you next week. Podversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.